Why do you want to fight? This is the fight game with Demond Cotton. Hello, hello, and welcome to another edition of the Fight Game with Damon Cotton. I am your host, Damon Cotton, and boy, do we have an exciting show for you here today on 1230 The Game. I mean, the wrestling world is picking up. I was one of those people that said, oh man, we don't know what the wrestling landscape for TV wrestling is going to look like without Vince McMahon, but boy, oh boy, is it on fire. Now it seems like that we have a real war on our hands. WWE is picking up the pace with Triple H being the head of the booking, Triple H being head of talent, and Tony Khan, he's seen that. He's seen that WWE is stepping up their game, so last night on AEW, Dynamite, Tony Khan also unloads the chamber a little bit to sell to spay to speak to bring back another great addition of dynamite this is one of the best episodes of dynamite that i've seen in a while so we've got AEW, we've got wwe around 12 20 we're going to speak with jamal hill ufc fighter coming off of another victory at the ufc apex he's winning there so much six fights six wins six knockouts he's calling it sweet dream stadium so we're going to talk to jamal hill as now he is in the top 10 number six I believe, in the UFC light heavyweight division in the rankings there. So we're going to talk to him, see what's next. I mean, you win a good fight, you win a big fight, main eventing, his first main event fight wins in the fourth round there. So now we're going to talk to him and see what's next when that comes up a little bit later in the show. And we're also going to have a few good minutes with Jared. Can't miss out on that. Jared is always going to come with something and it's always going to be a surprise so i can't wait for that to close out the show a few good minutes with jared and you can also get in contact with me if you want to get in touch with me if you want to be involved with the show at demon underscore the boss on twitter at twelve thirty the game on twitter if you want to tweet at me or the station account i mean come on be involved with the show because you don't want to miss this so last week we we're talking about triple h and it's, hey, man, Monday Night Raw, it's pretty good. I tried to convince Harry Ruiz, hey, man, come back over to the WWE side. I'm telling you, things are different. Things are a-changing. And I think I did a pretty good job of convincing Harry Ruiz that you need to watch WWE. And Friday, Triple H proved me right once again that, man, WWE programming is not something that you want to miss. To close out the show, Friday Night SmackDown. Drew McIntyre is coming out, and you think it's just going to be a standard promo with Roman Reigns. It's going to end here with a stare down, something, you know, we've seen it all before. Stare down to close out the show. Then you hear the music. Something ominous. You see the smoke coming at the top of the ramp. It's Scarlett Bordeaux. And then Karrion Cross is back in WWE, presented like a star the way he should have been the first time around in WWE. One of those shocking returns that people kind of suspected a little bit. Maybe, hey, Triple H, now that he's in charge in WWE, he's going to bring back some of his NXT guys. Is that going to be is that going to be what happens? You saw the Champa, he won that number one contenders series match with the help of the Miz to face Bobby Lashley for the U.S. title. So you could see a little bit that, hey, man, he's putting his guys in premier spots. 
But Karrion Cross, after his release, returned back to the independents, returned back to the indies. Killer Cross is back, and you'd think he didn't make the first run to AEW. He didn't try to sign with anybody. He was going to be with the Control Your Narrative guys, but I uh, took a little step back from that. Maybe didn't want to be involved with those guys too much. And he waited and he played his cards perfectly because he got the call from Triple H, come back to the E, and things are going to be different. Because when he came up from NXT, he was a two-time NXT champion, but it just didn't work. The NXT crowd, he wasn't a huge work rate, guys. When you're going up against Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, these guys that he's towering over them, but for that NXT faithful crowd, he just wasn't it. And then you bring him up to the main roster. He's a guy. He's good on the mic, good in the ring. The presentation is amazing. And they take it all away from him. He comes out looking like a Mortal Kombat character of some sort. And it's just not it. That's just not who Karrion Cross is. That's not the killer cross that you've grown to love on the independent. Shout out to FSW here in Vegas. That's not the killer cross that we remember. Triple H corrects that mistake, brings him out. A vicious beatdown on Drew McIntyre and to stare down the tribal chief, Roman Reigns, to close out the show. Mwah! It doesn't get any better than that. I mean, Karrion Cross, he's already slotted in. As you see some reports, the backstage dealing on dealing ons or whatever, whatever, that Karrion Cross is now going to be positioned as the number two heel on SmackDown. And I'm not into that, like, oh, how the backstage politics on how they see him. But closing out the show against Roman Reigns, that's as big as it gets. About a year ago, this guy was losing to Jeff Hardy, and it's where's this storyline going? Why would you bring him up just to have him lose so early into his main roster run? But you're definitely correcting those mistakes when you have a guy like Cross finishing the show, staring, the tick-tock, the clock is ticking on Roman Reigns. And on this past Monday Night's Raw, you see that Triple H pulls another card from under his sleeve. He's still got it. He's still working. Close out the show. AJ Styles standing victorious in the ring. And you see, some, you see something going on. What's going on outside there? Somebody's being restrained as they are trying to get it across the barricade into the WWE ring. And they don't say it as they close out the show. You hear a bits of, hey, I think, could this be? Who is that? And they reveal it the next day on social media that that's Dexter Loomis, another recently released superstar from NXT, who is coming back on the main roster. Triple H has done it again. Now, this has already drove up reports that Johnny Gargano is also going to get a call from WWE and Shawn Michaels is going to be in charge of, hey, maybe Johnny Gargano, things are smoothed over. You see what we did for your ex-tag team partner, Tommaso Ciampa, you know, formerly with DIY. We can do the same for you. We know how to make guys look like superstars on the main roster now that Vince McMahon is no longer in charge. And if I'm to, excuse me, not Tommaso Ciampa, he's already looking good as he had a great match with Bobby Lashley for the United States Championship. I'll get to that in a second. If I'm Johnny Gargano, I'm going back to WWE, baby. It's looking good. These are greener pastures. You don't need to. For his style of wrestler, the type of guy that Johnny Gargano is when it comes to in-ring, there are so many guys that can do what he does in AEW. And I love what he does. But we see that in AEW. There's so many 
avenues to take with Johnny Gargano. And I know you, know, you don't want to be the next so-and-so. You want to blaze your own trail. But there's an absence for the the small underdog who's got a fight underneath. No, I don't mean Rey Mysterio. Johnny Gargano can be that new Daniel Bryan. That new undersized baby face that just has to keep overcoming and overcoming and overcoming on the main roster. And I know that this was some of his trepidations on wanting to move up to the main roster beforehand, but you see what they've done with Champa, and I do think that for Johnny Gargano, that should be all the assurance that he needs. To take that leap of faith, come back to WWE. I don't care if it's Raw. I don't care if it's SmackDown. To, hey, man, we're going to position you as a top-tier babyface within the company. But that's just me. But that's where I think it should go. And speaking of Tommaso Ciampa, he had his United States Championship match against Bobby Lashley. And another thing that Triple H is doing in this new, let's just call it Triple H era of WWE, he's letting guys go in the ring. Where it's just... Guy after guy after guy. Like, the match quality. Rey Mysterio, Finn Balor. Great TV match. But Bobby Lashley and Tommaso Ciampa, it was hard-hitting. It was physical. And you still believe Ciampa that still, let's say, 5'9", 200 pounds? He still looked credible in the ring going up against Bobby Lashley, 6'3", 6'4", made out of Nothing but pure muscle, let's say 275. And it was still a great, entertaining match. You get The Miz involved. And The Miz is just doing whatever the company needs. Like, The Miz deserves, if there was an MVP award in WWE, you don't get the title, but hey, at the end of the year, we're going to give you the MVP award. The Miz for this year, in the calendar year of 2022, he has been WWE's MVP the A-lister, The Miz, like, I can't speak highly enough of him because you see what he's done where, hey, man, he's going to make Logan Paul look good, have a good match at WrestleMania, bring that into a SummerSlam feud, and now Tommaso Ciampa by his side and still looking just as good, putting over another guy who's coming along in his ring on the main roster. What can't this guy do? But I digress. Back to Ciampa's match with Bobby Lashley. I mean, there were so many things that, so many twists and turns, so many near falls. He even put in Gargano's escape, where you just think, oh my God, he's even using the submission of his former tag team partner. Hits him with his finish, and you think that, oh, maybe it's, at at that moment, you may think that, hey, Ciampa's going to win this match against Bobby Lashley. Escapes out of the hurt lock a few times, but eventually gets put away by Bobby Lashley. But it was such an entertaining match on TV that you just knew what not have happened and Vince McMahon was still in charge of the WWE. And that's all good and dandy on the WWE standpoint, where they are just coming out firing in this new Triple H era. But Tony Khan has seen this in last night's AEW. <laughs> you can feel it that Tony Khan's feeling that pressure a little bit, and he's got to respond to what WWE's doing. They kick off the show with a coffin match. Darby Allen versus Brody King. Now this... Rivalry has been going on since the Battle Royal, the Casino Battle Royal, where both guys were fighting for a chance at the AEW Championship. Brody King won that, and then just this rivalry that you've seen, it's been hard-hitting. It's been intense. Brody King is a monster among men. It's still Braun Strowman's phrase there. Just a mountain of a man. And Darby Allen, plucky babyface, you know that he does not care about his body. He's going to do whatever it takes to get a win. And this match 
was the blood and guts that AEW promised. I mean, the smaller competitor, Darby Allen, you're thinking, how is he going to win this? You see that, was it last week or two weeks ago, that he just gets absolutely demolished by Brody King. But this coffin match, where he, the finish of the match, where he basically he chokes him out with the chain, using the rope as well, and Brody King falls perfectly into the coffin. It closes right on him. And it was just one of those finishes that even with <laughs> just the synchronicity of how he fell into the coffin, perfectly planned. Got to give it up to AEW for that one of just Darby Allen defeating Brody King, where you don't think that the smaller guy, I thought that maybe this series should have just went, Brody King just keeps mopping the floor with him, and then we get the Malachi Black Sting blow off, and that's where Darby Allen and Sting get their revenge and just a Sting defeating Malachi Black blow off. But it is good that Darby Allen gained some, gained some of his credibility back because you can't just keep losing and keep losing and keep losing without getting a win. And, I was, and it's good that he got that over Brody King. But <laughs> AEW, they didn't stop just there. Ricky Starks, Aaron Solo. I mean, Ricky Starks is a babyface. I'm all in for it. I just do not care. I mean, Ricky Starks, his upward trajectory, he's a charismatic star. This guy is going to be the future of AEW. I am so glad that they made this baby first turn, and I hope that he keeps continuing to get this push. I hope that he keeps getting this push because... There's not too much that he can't do, but it's just who is he going to be feuding with? I really don't want him to see him feuding with the factory too much. No shade to the factory at all. But then you bring in FTR. FTR, as hot as it gets, one of the best tag teams in the world right now. So you got Ricky Starks. I don't want him to get a little too overshadowed. Keep him away from the hottest tag team in the world. I know it's a good babyface rub there, but I still don't want to see it. And then the main event of the evening, Chris Jericho, John Moxley for the AEW Interim Championship. Chris Jericho, eh, his AEW work as late hasn't been good. Uh, the anarchy in the arena match, it was great to see, but Chris Jericho one-on-one in the ring, not been my cup of tea as of late. But John Moxley pulls a great performance out of him. And then you see the Jericho Society after the match. Moxley, of course, wins. Then you see the Jericho Society. They're going to come out. But it's not so much of the match that really did it for me. Of course, Moxley, he's going to win that. Who cares? That's the setup that we all know is going to happen. It's the after the match. It's the post-end credits. If you were sticking around for a Marvel movie, that was good to see here. As CM Punk hit... The crowd, you hear that cult of personality to close out the broadcast and you're like, business is picking up to steal JR's phrase there. Because business is picking up when you have CM Punk, the best in the world, coming back out to make the save for John Moxley. And then they've got the stare down. You've got the interim champion against the rightful champion. I don't know how healthy CM Punk is. Because it was only a few clotheslines, a few clotheslines, you know, as he takes out the entire Jericho Appreciation Society. So I, you didn't see too much in the ring from him, but he did look incredible. Body-wise and shape-wise, he looks like he's in even better shape than he was a few months ago. But I still don't know how healthy that knee is or the foot, wherever the injury was, that lower body injury. We really didn't get too much clarity on that or how he was even injured. But now that he's back, I would love to see 
how they are going to spin this. Because I've thought a little bit before, and you can give me your opinion as well, that having a babyface interim champion, I know Moxley's more of a tweener, but a baby, he's getting cheered no matter where he's coming out, where that wild thing, when that when wild thing hits the audience, he's getting cheered. So to have it when you come back, no matter when this was going to happen, CM Punk, he's going to have to come back and face a babyface interim champion. But after last night, I don't know how this is going to go between the two of them, Punk and Moxley, but I'm interested to see where it goes. And when we come back, we're going to be joined by Jamal Hill from the UFC coming off an impressive victory over Tiago Santos. You don't want to miss that. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on the fight game on 1230 The Game. Welcome back to the fight game with Iman Cotton. Back on the fight game on 12:30, the game. And before I get into my interview with Jamal Hill, I just want to talk about UFC Fight Night Vegas over the past weekend, where it was Vegas 59, and man. Every fight on this card delivered is only the second time in UFC history that every fight on the card ends with a finish. Whether it be submission, whether it be knockout, just a great card. I mean, Brian Battle finishing the fight with a terrific head kick. I mean, knockout of the night. I mean, knockout of the year, not even knockout of the night. That's knockout of the year category level knockout with that head kick. I mean, so good. Muhammad Usman winning the Ultimate Fighter. Juliana Miller also winning the Ultimate Fighter in the women's side. And, and if you listened to the show last week, you would know that that was my parlay for UFC Fight Night Vegas 59. I said, take Miller, take Usman, and take Hill in the main event, and you're going to leave with some money if you take all three of those guys, if you parlay that together. If you listen to Demond here, you won yourself a little bit of money. Without further ado, Jamal Hill. I'm pleased to introduce my next guest, Sweet Dreams Jamal Hill, coming off an impressive victory at the Sweet Dreams Stadium, the UFC Apex, as he got a fourth-round stoppage over Tiago Santos. Tiago Santos, how you doing, Jamal? I'm all right. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. And that win, I was there at the Apex on Saturday, was able to see you put in that, that impressive performance there. And one thing I just want to start off the bat with, your team, man. It was like a whole, it was a whole ordeal where you wanted your team to be in the shot with you. You wanted your team to be up there with the podium with you. How much does your team mean to you? Uh, my team is everything to me. You know, I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't be the fighter I am, the man I am if it wasn't for my team. Yeah, that's the reason why uh, 205 got this problem. Yeah, speaking of that, you are now ranked in the top 10, number six, I believe, in the light heavyweight division. And I know that there are some fights that you would want to see happen. Hey, maybe even a championship fight. But just take me back a little bit with your origin story over at Black Lion Jiu-Jitsu. Is this the first, was this the first like, facility that you went into to train? Because how long has this um, relationship been established for you, to, for you to be down with the day ones like this? That was the beginning. That was the first team I had whenever I walked into the sport, whenever I started, whenever I was 18. Um, I've been with the same team for 13 years. You know, um, we've never put a game plan together that, that hasn't worked, you know. Um, even though the one fight that I did lose, that wasn't, that, wasn't, that, wasn't, that wasn't our bad game plan. That was me being arrogant, 
You know what I mean? Going outside of that. So every time I've stuck within they, what they, the, uh, their game plan and done what they told me, we win at every level. Yeah, and this past Saturday at the Apex there at Sweet Dream Stadium, that win over Tiago Santos, what was the game plan going in, and what were you able to execute so effectively to get that win? Um, the game plan for Santos going in was just uh, walking down, make, uh, watch everything happen in front of you, and uh, stay, uh, straight punches, uh, keep them key, stay sharp, and uh, just don't get caught with nothing. Try not to get caught with nothing too crazy, you know, um, just, just wear him down. Just work. Just walk. Honestly, I wanted to get him in close and walk him into that. Forget him into that phone booth range, to where I could beat him up in there. But um, he wasn't trying to fight me for real. He was. He was. He was. He was. Uh, he was retreating. Yeah. He was. He threw some. He fired some shots. He still showed that he had teeth. But I had to walk deep into the fire in order for him to show those. You know. Um, so I was happy I was able to weather, stay with it, and then towards the end, like uh, fourth round. Whenever I was, whenever I forced that phone booth, phone booth range and that and that and that uh, and that fight out of him again, he he tried, he went the way. I was able to put him away, so it worked out good. Yeah, coming in, I see what you're saying because it felt like he was comfortable with the fight going towards a decision if that needed to be what it was. Yeah. Did you feel like you had to press that action? As you did, you said you had to take him into like those deep waters. But in that fourth round, did you sense that hey man, the end is near for him? Um. It was just, it was just, I did whenever, I, I knew I was hurting him. Whenever I was hitting him, I seen that the times I was hurt. So I was just focused on just steady touching him. It wasn't just so more, I wasn't focused, I wasn't really focused on the end or trying to set a goal line at any particular moment, you know, just just keep working, just keep working and keep working. You know, I know I can work as long as I need to. And then moving forward, you know, you are number six in the light heavyweight division. What matchups would you like to see presented to you? Um, I want I want some of everybody, you know. Um, two obviously two guys ahead of me are are hurt and aren't and aren't available, you know. Uh, like which is weird. I don't know why people keep saying acts being like, oh, consider, oh, you got Rackage and you got Smith. Like the minute somebody says that, I think you dumb as hell, and I don't respect anything you have to say. <laughs> Just like dumb, like 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 Especially really. Think about coming that. off that loss, I don't know like, why you're not already ranked number five. To be honest. Yeah, me neither. But you know, um, it is what it is. But yeah, I'm not gonna sit around and wait for two dudes that have leg injuries that obviously need to heal, and it's gonna take about a year. So I'm, not, I have no intentions on waiting that long whatsoever. You know, so uh, yeah, I'm looking at the guys ahead. Obviously, I already know those guys have first dibs, but that's not gonna, that's not gonna stop me from voicing my opinion and voicing my shot. You know, what I mean, being vocal about my shot. And letting them know if, if something do go wrong, they don't have to look no further than good old sweet dreams. Yes, yeah, sweet dreams. And you mentioned that we're talking to Jamal Hill here on the fight game. Something on Twitter, I don't know if you retweeted or you tweeted it yourself, where it's, hey, man, you're not getting love as one of the goats from the Dana White Contender Series, not a part of any of the video packages. And it was Sean O'Malley. It was like, what do you consider success? And you said, go out there and win in fights. So why do you think that the UFC hype train isn't following sweet dreams as much as it should be? Um, I don't know. Like, well, I know reasons. I can I can only speak for, like, I can I, don't, I can speak on what I what I assume. You know what I'm saying? And part of what and like the pattern that I know is one of the things that I notice is just they they hype they hype like uh they like they like other markets. You know, um, 
America don't get behind their fighters like like uh like a like a like a Sweden or like uh you know Liverpool like those guys like how 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 other countries like Brazil you know what I mean like how those guys get behind their fighters you know uh America don't support American fighters don't get that same support like America America like a fighter can come from another country come here He's going to get the support from back home in America, and if he's a good fighter, America's going to support him as well. You know what I'm saying? He can reach the same type of level of support that you would let an American would get here. No, man, I understand exactly what you're saying. Does that man. make Does that make sense? Oh no, I get I get exactly so, what you're it's, saying. It's kind of like how to market, and it's kind of it's kind of like how to market it, but like, you can't like really blame your because they got to sell, they got to make money. You know what I mean? But they, but at the same time, I feel like they can make they can make anybody a star. You know what I'm saying? They can literally make anybody a star. Yeah, you're not wrong about that because one of the things, like when I saw that it, that Twitter exchange with you and O'Malley, is just like, yo, man, you win fights. Like the record speaks for itself, so it doesn't matter if you're doing enough to, I'd say, like putting yourself out there to be a character. It's your record. You you are what your record says you are. And I mean, you are a finisher, a knockout artist. So I don't know why a title shot might not be in the picture with Yuri and Glover. I don't know what's going to happen there. The UFC have, hasn't announced it. It was a pretty close fight, so Glover deserves a rematch. But if not, I don't see why you're not right in there in line to get a title shot. Yeah, and I thought that too. You know what I mean? Don't get me wrong. And I still believe you yeah, and Glover. You, I'm not arguing that you can't give Glover uh, a title shot. But... It does say, uh, somebody said something, and it made a lot of sense to me. It said, like, like respect for what it is to become champion. Like, is there, does, it, does becoming champion in this division really seem the same? As if, like, you know what I mean, whenever somebody was going out of John Jones, no. Obviously, there's no John Jones, but here's the thing, though. Um, not having, in not having defended your title... You know what I mean? A certain number of times and then immediately getting a rematch is kind of whack. That kind of holds that, that, that's, that, that, goes, that holds up the thing. So you got the title. You didn't hold it. You didn't hold on to it tight enough and you lost it. What incentive do, does anybody really have in those moments where it's like, damn, I'm about to lose my belt to dig deep and actually push? It was like, otherwise it's like, damn, I'm just in a bad spot. I can go, I can get a rematch. You know what I'm saying? Where is it? Where is it? Where, where are you really going to set that line for where he should fight for his championship? You know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. It's almost. I think it's that. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. No, uh, you're good, man. I was just going to say it's almost where I don't know if you watch wrestling, but it's like like in WWE, you lose the belt. Well, I get my rematch clause or it's just it's it shouldn't be automatic that if you just lose the title that you just guaranteed a rematch just because it was a close fight. I see what you're saying there. I see. Yeah. Like and then like I, I agree. Like if you are a dominant champion. Let's say, like, all right, you, you've defended your belt at least, like, three times. Two times. Two, three times. You know what I'm saying? Then I could see a rematch. Because now you've beaten some of those contenders that are now trying to get up to the top. Now you're sitting, you're sitting number, number three, four, five, haven't had title shots. Six, like, none, you know what I mean? Like, few, oh, you know what I mean? Anthony Smith had a title shot, but that was, that was during a different, that was during... A few, that was a couple rains ago. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, bro. I feel like, I feel like a champion should, I feel like a champion should, should, uh, 
should hold that shit. That, that title is to be covenant. It should be special. Whenever you win it, it should be special. You know what I mean? And holding on to it and losing it should be devastating. You know what I'm saying? And it don't feel that way because, oh, I got a rematch. Even Jan, look at Jan. Look at how Jan lost his belt. He got his ass whooped. You know what I'm saying? And he's, all right, forget it. I'll, go, I'll just go fight one dude. Got his ass whooped in that fight, and the dude got hurt, and I was like, yeah, I deserve a title shot. What? You know what I'm saying? That's weird, bro. Yo, I'm right there with you, especially when you just keep winning, you keep winning. If you clean out the mm -hmm. entire division, if, this, you know, just if you got to win those fights if they do come, but if you clean out the entire division before you get a championship, then who are you going to fight to defend Facts. the title? Facts. You know what I'm saying? Now, because now I'm thinking about, like, well, reason, another reason, one of the main reasons, the main reason why I got in money. You know what I'm saying? People talking about a, a fight fighting Magomed. Why would I fight Magomed right now? That's dumb. Is, are they going? Is it going to be a pay per view? Is it going to be a main event for a pay per view? Probably not. So why would I do that? That don't make sense. He's got a. We we both got time. We both we, the, the 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 guard is changing. The dudes at the top are going to be there that long. They're like what thirty eight, forties in their forties. You know what I mean? Outside of Yuri, which that's fresh blood to everybody. He's fought nobody else in the top five. Outside of Glover. Now you're not wrong about that. So Magomed, if they were to present that fight to you, would it need to be a top of a pay per view card? Hell yeah. Why would I rob myself of that? And then, like, man, if one of us has the belt, because if one of us has the belt, that is, is that a, is that not a headline for a pay per view? Oh, exactly. I could see that being a championship fight so, in the next year or two. Exactly. So why? So why? So why? So why would I? Why would I take that from myself? And plus, that's a big fight. A lot of people want to see that fight. I mean, I think that will sell well. You know what I'm saying? So, no, I don't want to fight him. No, I, no, I wouldn't want to fight him right now. Just for that simple fact. I'm thinking of it, I'm thinking of it in terms of that, too. Like the Reyes fight. People want the Reyes fight. Like, <laughs> Reyes is coming off of how many knockouts. And now, and even more so now, <clears throat> I don't want the Reyes fight because everybody's talking about, look at Santos. Like, bro, Santos was not easy to beat. You know what I'm saying? I made him fight. I made him fight like nobody else did. I had to go through that fire to make him fight like nobody else did. You know, but still, but still, what do you hear? Oh, he's not the same fight he fought John Jones. Even DC said it. He's like, oh, he's not the same guy that fought John Jones. All right. So why would I want the guy that, that they come in that's coming off the loss to John Jones, Jan, and and Yuri. You're right, because then if you do win, no. it's just you just beat the guy. Same oh, thing. he's not the same. He's shell shocked after three losses in a row. It's gonna be the same thing. It's gonna be the same thing. So what I rather see, I'd rather see some uh Dominic Reyes fight somebody from behind, beat a couple dudes, build himself back up to that form that he was at. You know what I mean? With the with the uh with the he's got that family, he's got the you know what I mean, he's got the Mexican American Latino community behind him and things like that, you know. Me and one, one of us has the belt. If I have the belt and he's fighting, or we're fighting for a number one, that is a man. That is a pay per view main event. There's not very many of these in this division. You know what I mean? So I need to like people want the Paul Craig fight right now. If I fought Paul Craig right now in a, in, a, in a main event, it's gonna be another fight night. If Paul Craig wins another fight or two, 
We got a main event. We got a pay-per-view main event. That's why I wanted him to win the Uzdemir fight. If he won the Uzdemir fight, hands down, that'd be the next fight. No, everything you're saying makes sense, like, 100%, especially Paul Craig, like you said. Because coming I make it from a... Because I'm, I'm thinking of it business-wise. People don't think about this. They just fans. They just think about it. This my, this, this, this is what I've been trying to build to. So I've been strategically planning this, not only as fight, but as from, from a business standpoint. So with that being said, since you are looking at this as a business, and I know that your management the UFC are going to be more involved in this than you are, how prepared are you to just sit out and maybe wait for that perfect fight? Because I know you want to get back in the cage as soon as possible. I want to fight again before the end of the year. I mean, that's, that's just how I feel. You know, I want to fight again before the end of this year. Man, I, I see that you, you're so, eager to get back in there, but I just so. don't know who the UFC is going to offer you exactly. before so, the end so of the year because what you said, none of the, no, no one beneath you in the top 10 rankings you should fight. So, yeah, man, that's going to be interesting there. I'm going to wrap this up. I don't want to take up too much of your time because I'm thankful for how much time you've given me. We're talking again with Jamal Hill, UFC fighter, Sweet Dreams. Now, man, after that fight, you said you want, you're trying to move to some pay-per-view fights. And you came in mm -hmm. after that fight in a nice suit, I mean, with the, what was that, leopard print there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the gold leopard Big print. Cat. Yeah, man. So, I mean, so you are making those moves. You are presenting yourself like a superstar. When you do get to that next pay-per-view level, when you are like headlining pay-per-views, how much is the suit game going to come up even more? Hi, bro. The suit game ain't going nowhere. Come on now. That ain't going nowhere. I already, you thought you thought that was the only one I had? When I went and got that one, I got some other. I got a few other ones too. Come on, that was just the first. All right, I got to ask you something else, man, because it's always, it's in the backstory, you know, whenever you get the prepackaged fight, before we see you fight, you know, the prepackaged video, where it's, hey, man, he turned down a basketball scholarship. When's the last time you played basketball? Uh, last time I hooped was whenever I was in Vegas for International Fight Week, whenever I hooped against D.C. You know? D.C.? Does DC, can D.C. hoop? Hell no, not for <laughs> real. Hell no. He uh like he has some moves on Bilal, you know he he got some old he got some old he got some old uncle at the barbecue moves like nephew. Let me show you something, nephew. <laughs> you know <laughs> he got some of those, but uh, he bought he bought some hoopers though. I guess he got some hoopers in his family. He brought them through. He brought them through. They could uh, they were good enough to be some. They was good enough to be some, uh, win the second game against when I was a little tired. Even still in that game, we played the 15. I scored like nine points in that game. But so you still got it like that, though? Oh, yeah. Come on. The clips is up. I put, I put some of the clips on, on, my, uh, on, my, on my Instagram. You check them out. Throw, 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 throw a link out there. All right, man. Yeah, tell me. What's the YouTube channel? Tell me the page. Right? Oh, man, you said your Instagram. What's the Instagram handle? It's on my Instagram. My Instagram handle is uh, sweet underscore dreams underscore J Hill. All right, now what's the Twitter handle? Uh, Twitter handle is easy. That's at Jamal, my name. I spell J-A-M-A-H-A-L-H. Just the H at the end. All right, Jamal, man, thank you and nothing but success. And I want to see you con continue doing big things, man. Thank you for your time today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. And that was UFC fighter Jamal 
Hill, Sweet Dreams, coming off of another victory at Sweet Dreams Stadium, as he liked to call it, the UFC Apex. I mean, six fights, six finishes at the UFC Apex. He's been killing it there, but it's time to move him up and get him into a different venue. Maybe T-Mobile Arena here in town. Just maybe, just maybe. So once again, thank you to the UFC, and thank you to Jamal Hill for joining me on the fight game on 1230 The Game. Excuse me. I need a moment of silence so I can get into a meditative state where I block out any and all irritating white noise. I call it my happy place. Un momento! Un momento! Oh, do you want better? Wait a minute. I see what's going on here. Oh, do you want better? Wait a minute. No. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. A few minutes later... All right, it is time for a few good minutes with Jared. Jared, how you doing, man? What's going on? I am doing fantastic, as per usual. I am completely stressed out, and my hair is turning white. So we're doing great. We're doing great over here. I can't see a I can't see a white hair in sight, bro. You're you're overreacting. Well, it's fair, but at least it's not falling out. That's the biggest fear, because then I have to start working out again. You, hey you, man, could be worse. You either get to be bald or you like you bald in shape or head of hair kind of flabby. And I'm like, I'm going with head of hair kind of flabby. That's my that's that's my life goals right now. All right, so are you ready for are you ready for me to ask you the random thoughts that have popped into my head over the course of the last week since the last time we've done this therapy session? Yes, and I love that you said that it's turned into a therapy session. Go ahead. Let's let's see what you got. If you if if someone were to write a movie about your life, would you want them to write it as a comedy or a drama? Like not how it like not necessarily like you know it's going to be based on a true story. It's not going to necessarily be like the full on details of like we're not going to get that scene where it's like I was crying holding myself next to a locker. But you know like we may get some like dramatic moments or you know is it going to just be like you know, screwball, super bad comedy. Maybe not screwball, super bad comedy, but I think it's got to be a comedy. I haven't, I mean, I've struggled, but I haven't had to overcome anything <laughs> yeah. to where it's like this, this fall, a gripping drama. It'd be like, that's it. <laughs> if you know, if you tried to play it out as one man's quest for just, eh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I haven't accomplished The struggle has not been real. <laughs> yeah, just like one man's, you know, Trials and tribulations. <laughs> I've checked my bank account. I have less than $20. But tomorrow's payday. So it'll all work out. <laughs> and then it would just be, why does he keep going to the bar to gamble if he knows he doesn't have anything? You know, he, does, like, he doesn't win. You know, you know, like at least when that third act, you're ready for the movie to round out. And it's like, oh, we're, we're going to now we're ready for, you know, he's going to get it together and he's going to learn his lesson. No, no, that's not happening <laughs> no, in this movie. No. So it'd play better as a comedy than just maybe a drama that just ends. <laughs> just literally like, and yeah, I, I guess you're right. Because we're still so we're, right, in we're the still middle. young. Yeah, like Giannis Antetokounmpo had a movie come out about him. I don't know if this is what you got this from, his movie Arise that you can see on Disney+. Plus. That's you know? kind of where I got it from, yeah. Actually, yeah, but he's like, only like 27, 28 years old, but it could still, the movie can just finish with him winning a championship with his brother. I haven't won a championship yet. Yeah. In the words of Chris Farley, Jack Squat, I don't have anything. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know how my movie, I'm not winning triumphantly. It's just going to be like, 
And, and now gotta... he's now he makes his car payment on time every month. Like it's literally like, well, well, yeah, he was doing that at the beginning of the movie too. Yeah. Like, okay, well, there are no changes. Um, so okay, that that uh, I kind of went down a rabbit hole, which involved a lot of YouTube commercials, which is where I got the rise from. But one of the other things I fell down was people in the late like people talk about like the nba as like the oh it was so much tougher back when they played defense and i'm to a certain extent i've kind of roll my eyes and I'm like yeah they they also used to be able to like punch each other dude they used to be able to punch each other like i'm watching like just randomly like okay that guy every team had like a dude on it so like charles barkley's on a team but charles barkley's the one out here fighting that you like no like now teams are like we have Udonis Haslam in case a fight breaks out. No, no, it would be like Jimmy Butler's gonna come get you. Into like in the eighties and nineties, I'm super. Yeah, confused. the star players fall. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of clips of Hakeem out there throwing some punches. And, and, I'm, I'm just, Hakeem Kareem, everybody's everybody was out there throwing punches. I mean, even Kobe got tapped up a little bit by I want to say who was that Chris Childs. I mean, you had to fight up until the Malice in the Palace. Doesn't matter if you were a star or not. You needed to be prepared to fight in the NBA. But that's just that's insane to me. That's insane. Like, I, I'm I'm sorry if Charles Barkley's on my team. I'm literally going. No, no, Chuck, I got this. Hit me. <laughs> like, I'm talking about. First off, you're probably not even going to be on the court for you know the no no offense. But I mean, you can't. You long arms. You couldn't wait for. You know, the, the 13th guy off the bench to say, oh, hold me back. I got this. The foul's happening right there on the play, like right there in the play of action. So if you're not on the court for this, you're not going to be able to run. It's, the star player might have already gotten knocked out by the time you get on the court to try to step in. I just So he's got to be able to defend himself. I'm just like watching Charles Barkley highlights where it's just like, I'm a, hey, guys, I want an MVP, but I'm going to go ahead and f try to fight Charles Oakley during the All-Star game. Come on, he didn't want no smoke with Oak, man. He didn't want no smoke with Oak Man. They were there. They, they. Nah, if it would have been taken outside, you know, Charles Oakley has spoken on this plenty of times. I, I mean, fair, fair, fair enough. I mean, but at the same time, it's just like, what are you doing? You're an MVP. I don't know, man. I mean, if Kareem's out there throwing hands, you need to be out there throwing hands. MVP doesn't matter, bro. <laughs> that's, I'm sorry, that's nuts. One of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite things ever is if there's ever a fight on the field, I, if I were like a football coach and there was a fight on the field, I would designate one guy to be like, dude, your job is to pick up our quarterback and run him to the sideline. Like your job. I do not want him being hit. Nobody I do fights in football like that. Well, the last time it happened, it was a defensive end and a quarterback and it wasn't a real fight either. Are you talking about Mason Rudolph? Yeah. No, that, no, that wasn't a fight either. That was, um. Uh, with just calls on Miles Garrett's part, he says, you know, he oh, had I, just no, calls. I 100% believe he had cause. But that was an attack. <laughs> <laughs> That's a one-sided fight. That's like, ow, leave me alone. <laughs> You're hurting me. That's. I'm just saying, I'm literally... <laughs> Actually, even if there's, like, if there's a fumble, I might do that to a quarterback, too. Just like, all right, if there's a fumble, I don't want my guy diving into the pile. I want him picked up and taken away because we may need to play later because the problem with football is if the helmets aren't off 
you're really it's what are you doing even if you're the guy who wants to fight i can't think of the names right now but there was a bears and saints um fight maybe i want to say this past season or at least it's at least been since 2020 or 2021 in the past two seasons where the receiver he is mad at this cornerback the bears receiver is mad at the saints um db so he is mad but it takes an entire another series for them to get back on the field for him to try to enact his revenge but he throws a shot at the face a punch and the db's just like I'm wearing a helmet. Yes. So you know what he does? No, 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 no. He didn't get the message. I'm going to double down and throw two more shots at the helmet, and then people come and try to break it up. But it's like now you're getting suspended for a couple of games for what? And you got a broken hand. Exactly. So for an NFL fight to be good, if it's not going to be everybody on the team just as a melee, it needs to be Andre Johnson, Cortland Finnegan. Yes. Where you've got to get them down to the ground, get the helmet off, and then start laying some punches. And you, and then years later, you have Cortland Finnegan going, man, I wish we could have met in the street. It's just like, you're the only person in the world that's like, you know who's a real jerk? That Andre Johnson. NFL man of the year. Andre Johnson. Yeah, you're right. That That is a better. That is better. All right. Final question, and I will leave it at this. One of my favorite pictures is of Lynn Dawson on the sideline during the Super Bowl, smoking a heater, and like he right before he's about to put on his helmet and go play in the Super Bowl, he has a lit cigarette in his mouth. There's uh, pictures of Keith Hernandez in the '80s waiting in the dugout with a lit cigarette in his mouth. <laughs> when are we going to get the guy on the bench who's vaping? Oh man, we might we might not have video of that, but I'm sure that guy is in some dugout in some locker room. Oh, that's absolutely already happening. I just I was like waiting. I was like when Generation Z hits like management age of like yeah, he's a baseball manager. Are we gonna have guys just with like those big like weird tube things that they like vape out of? And he's just gonna be like, all right, come on. Come on, Hattie. No, I can see that. Like, a lot of, like, hype has been made in baseball this past week from Diaz, the closer for the Mets. Like, oh, he's got trumpets playing him out. You know, it's like, oh, this is so cute. You know, yeah. it's like, what a walkout song. I could see somebody being a closer. Like, it's a scene from Major League taking a hit out of the vape. <sighs> All right, let's go to work. Mm -hmm. As he's coming out oh, of no, the bullpen I, to close out a game. I would love if there was a closer who literally he would, sh if, like, it's like, all right, you got three. I need three outs. He gets the first out, just takes a long drag. It's off just in the, the back pocket. Yeah. <laughs> it's small enough. I mean, baseball players, I could see someone with a vape well, in the back pocket. Yeah. That's it. And also, just it's in like, the field what, to play. What, what are you going to do? That guy's allowed to chew tobacco. <laughs> like, if you're going to get rid of one, get rid of the other. Anyway, that's what I I genuinely am wondering like when are we going to get the the guy who's the vaping athlete. The vaping athlete, the guy who's I mean, ayahuasca is now legal in the uh, NFL, so maybe uh, Oh man, don't even get me started on that. Josh Gordon, I would be I put that in a rundown for a show and no one will talk about the fact that Josh Gordon got screwed. <laughs> man, every player that's ever been suspended for any amount of Ricky weed. Williams should be getting back pay. Exactly. Oh my God. I had to miss a whole season because he couldn't stay off the weed. And you've got Aaron Rodgers out here that's just like, yeah, man, DMT changed my life, right? Who's with me? I just have literally like I, I cannot 
I cannot believe that. Psychedelics or psychedelics led to me having my best season. That sounds like a performance enhancing drug, drug to me. Hey, but what do I know? Aaron Rodgers, get over yourself. I mean, it's enough. I mean, <laughs> you just you petered out on your own rant. But no, it's uh, my favorite Aaron Rodgers quotes thus far. And this I will leave you on is when he was talking about taking psychedelics and he went, it made me a better friend, a better player, a better lover. And I'm just like, okay, how did no one in the media room? Okay, follow up. Why did Shailene Woodley leave you then? What, what, what's going on with the better lover thing? Did Ayahuasca, like, loosen your hips? Like, what are, what are we talking about? Can you break that down for us? I don't believe him because his fiance that, you know, he was so excited about having, they're not together anymore. So how could the love have been? It, it made him, it, it made loving better for him. Mm, not so much for her. All right, well, I'll see you later. This has been the dumbest one. I think we just randomly now at least once per few minutes with Jared have to take the time to just be like, man, I don't like Aaron Rodgers. But hey, coming to training camp is Cameron Poe from one of the best movies of all time, Con Air. Yeah. Owns him a little, you know, buys a little goodwill with me. Yeah, but that's the thing. is, it's like the money for, back in the box. So the Cameron Poe thing, and then he immediately like, cashes in that with the ayahuasca <laughs> and then he immediately gets it back with he goes i'm a four-time mvp an honorary black belt and a super bowl champion he's like me with <laughs> gambling where it's hey i'm up twenty dollars that means i need to double down and put in another sixty dollars <laughs> of my own money because i'm up this 20 right i'm so good at this gambling thing and then i leave with nothing Hey, did have you? Did you hear that your uh, that the show is getting uh, some repeats over on ESPN? Oh yeah, yeah, part of the uh, ESPN Las Vegas now. So, if you're listening to this on ESPN Las Vegas, you're welcome. <laughs> you just got far more Jared than you ever wanted. All right, and that's just going to do it for us today. If you're listening live on 1230 The Game, thank you for listening. Thank you to Jamal Hill for joining me on the show today, and thank you to Jared Justice. As always, Jared's got to run a few good minutes with Jared. A smashing success, as always. Thank you for listening to The Fight Game on 1230 The Game. I'm your host, Jamal Cotton. Remember, protect yourself at all times, and stay safe, everybody. 